Now I declare that the Lord has given me the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Him. And I'm being filled with the knowledge of His will in all spiritual wisdom and understanding. And I'm sort of this. I'm walking in a manner worthy of the Lord. I am pleasing Him in all respects. I'm bearing fruit in every good work. And I'm increasing the knowledge of God. The Lord is my heart. It's giving me light and direction. It is healing me in every area. And it is making me more and more like the Lord Jesus. In the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. If you believe the Lord is filling you with the knowledge of his will, give me an amen. Amen. If he's making you, if he's filling you with wisdom, spiritual understanding, making you walk in a manner worthy of him, give me an amen. Amen. If you are bearing fruit in every good work and increasing the knowledge of God, give me another amen. Amen. All right, the Lord is good. I said the Lord is good. Well, it's our school of prayer again. We are still talking about how to pray in the time of affliction. The people of um, the disciples came to the Lord Jesus and said to him, teach us how to pray. And that was when he told them the things that he did. We now call the Lord's Prayer. My emphasis is the fact that he said, teach us how to pray. We must learn. There is a how in uh, the matter of prayer. I just want to remind us of something before we go on speaking about what to do in the time of affliction. There is a way to react in the time of affliction. But before I go on to that, while um, uh, Apostle Okimute was preaching just now, he referred to something that, um, of course, many of us were in the program on Sunday. And uh, when he was referring to some things that we said there, I just remember something. I said, let me just re- emphasize to people again. I say this all the time. Life is a battle. We are in a battle. Are you getting my point? For the nation, it's a battle. It's a battle. Don't ever forget it. For your health is a battle. For your destiny is a battle. For the environment, it's a battle. You're actually fighting all the time. That's what you are doing. You are fighting. And you must remember that so that you will fight appropriately, so that you will not be discouraged. The Lord Jesus said, men ought always to pray and not to faint. Men ought always to pray and not to lose heart. What was he trying to explain? The time will come in which events will make you want to change your mind. It's like you are, you, you are defending a city. You, you, you know, you fight a battle and you win. I said something the other time. There's a difference between a war, all right, and battles. A battle, every war has many battles in it. In your life also, even though I use the word battle, let me use the word war, that would probably be better. Because you will fight a battle today and fight another one tomorrow. The fact that another battle is coming tomorrow does not mean you did not win the one of yesterday. You can win a battle today and another one looking like it's similar to it shows up tomorrow. It is not that you did not win the other one. Uh, Please, I hope you are getting my point. It is just that that's how life is. And let me say something to you. The more the battles you win, the fewer the battles that come. Are you getting my point? And the, more, the, the longer your, battle, your, your victories all right, endure. That's, that's a matter of fact. All right? You know, there's something. There's one particular... Um, maybe just, let's just look at this quickly. Very important, please. There's a scripture I want us to read. It just came to my mind now. All right? It's in 2 Kings. All right, chapter 13. 2 Kings chapter 13. Please go and listen to that message, Aggressive Prayer by Derek Prince. I keep on referring to it. You will learn a lot in that prayer, Aggressive Prayer by Derek Prince. Please remember, don't be discouraged. What did I say? Don't be discouraged. You, you said as if you, were, you are not sure what I said. What did I say? Don't be discouraged. It's important in life you are not discouraged. I, just, I feel like dropping this quickly. You lose, it appears like, don't be discouraged. You win, and that battle returns, don't be discouraged. 
You seem to continually be fighting. Don't be discouraged. A day will come that the battles will seem to come to an end and it will be permanent. Sometimes it comes to an end. After many years, it seems to return again. Human beings get discouraged. That also happened to Asa. But anytime that happens, God wants to give you a bigger victory. You know, he said, if you had only relied on your God, God would have delivered the armies of Aram into your hands. These were the people he went to for help. For 35 years, he had peace. For 35 years, he had peace. And then a battle came one day, and let me use the expression this time around, he was discouraged. And no, and the, the prophet Hanani said, no, that's why you missed it. You should have just gone the same strategy that you used before. Are you getting my point? Once, I, I gave a testimony, one of our brothers was ill, and doctors had done a few things, so they wanted to go ahead. So he, he called me and we spoke. I said, no, when you come, we'll see. And I told him something. I said, listen, I don't know how long this treatment will last, but let us pray, and let's give God time. Why are we always in a hurry when it is God? You pray for healing, it doesn't do it by tomorrow, it didn't work. Meanwhile, the doctor you are going to look for as a substitution is going to take one year. That day, my brother and I discussed, and we gathered and we prayed. As if God wanted to see what we were up to. It took one year before he shared his testimony. For months after, we will still talk, we will tell him some things, we will still pray, we will still be giving thanks. Jesus looked at that man, he said, just keep on believing. That's Jarius. He said, just keep on believing. I want to say to you, don't be discouraged. You were sick, you prayed God for healing, and he healed you, and after some time, it looks like the sickness is coming back. Don't be discouraged. You pray again. You use the medicine again. I thank God that God made me a doctor. You know, when I talk, you will listen. You will listen. Listen, sometimes you take dog, m- m- drugs and let's take antibiotics. Somebody gets an infection, you give him antibiotics. Six months later, six months later, I get another infection. I say, this antibiotic is not working. Do you say that? You fire it again. But when is the scripture? No, I prayed about this in six months ago. It means God didn't hear that time. Listen, don't be discouraged. I'm emphasizing. In life is what? Battles. A series of battles. You have to win as frequently as possible. As many as possible. The more you win, the easier the next battle is. You win this one, the next one is easier. You win that one, the one after is easier. And when you win many, the battles get less frequent. They become easier and less frequent. The danger danger in their infrequency, when they become infrequent, is that people tend to become complacent. You remember our story of Asa? They become complacent. So what happens after a long time? If another battle comes up, they have forgotten. They now start running down to men looking for help instead of for people to remain persistent in going to God for help. In Asa's case, this method worked 35 years ago. 35 years ago, it worked. God helped him. And for years, God helped him. But after a point, there was no war again. For 35 years, no war. 
In the 36th year, Basha, the king of the northern kingdom of Israel, decided to face Judah. And Asa was too tired. Sometimes war is good for you. Because the man was at peace for 35 years. He forgot the method of war. It's not the physical method we're talking about. The spiritual method. What am I preaching? Don't be discouraged. In life you have battles. And these battles keep on going. Especially in things that don't depend on you alone. Take something like a country. I think you're the only one here. Let me tell you your problems in Nigeria. And then in any nation, let me tell you the problems. Don't be discouraged, but I'll tell you the problems so that you won't be discouraged when you know the problems. It's discouraging, but try. In fact, let me prophesy. Don't be discouraged. Say amen. amen. There's a problem you have in a place like a nation. You're not the only member of the country. There are Muslims, there are Hindus, there are Banjay spirits, <laughs> there are Mami Waters. <laughs> there are all kinds of people there. So it makes sense that they are not, not all on your side. But that's not the problem. The problem is that even in the church, or more, that's where there's a problem. I can assure you 90% of Christians, as of today, we are working to increase the number. Okay, let me not say 90. A vast majority of Christians, as of today, they're not even on your side. Their faith is not here. They are, that is, they don't, they're not believing God for any good thing. Most of their faith is, let me have enough money. Let me get the visa. Let me do something. Let me get away. So you should understand why it's tight. I made a statement when we were preaching at Okemote's program on Sunday. I said, even if Jesus was the head of state in Nigeria, he could not, he cannot, let me not quote, because it's present now. He can't give uninterrupted power supply. He cannot make fuel regular. If Jesus came in the likeness of man and won an election and became head of state, he would not be able to do it. Why? It is simple. When he went to his own hometown, could he do any mighty work? Provision of constant power in Nigeria is a mighty job. If Jesus could not do it in his hometown, if you think he can do it in Nigeria, you're kidding me. So when you sit down and think that Buhari is the problem, you don't know anything yet. Jesus went to his own hometown. He could not do a mighty work. Running civil service is mighty work. I don't know whether you're getting what I'm saying. Running federal ministry of power is mighty work. Jesus went to his hometown and he could not do it. Why? He said the people are not worthy. That's what I'm going to emphasize. It's not, I'm not emphasizing the limits of his power. His power is not limited. I'm saying that if the people are not worthy, that power can't flow. Why am I dropping that? So... Have mercy on Buhari. What did I say? How can he do what Jesus cannot do? A lot of people don't realize it. You know, you just think about it. Ah, no, if God, Jesus was our president. Forget that thing. Judas was a member of his church. What could he do? Judas was a member of his church. He could not convert Judas. So you think he can convert anybody? After three and a half years of intensive ministry, Thomas was still doubting. So if you think it is easy, that's another emphasis. Did Jesus give up? No, he didn't give up. When they didn't believe, what did he go around doing? He went around their cities teaching. Are you getting my point? Until people are converted, God cannot do mighty work in their lives. Until you convert enough critical mass, all right, 
know, enough mass to cross the critical level in a particular nation like ours, things are going to become, just continue going up and, up and down. It's a divine assignment for us to keep teaching. That is why we can't keep quiet. That is why we have to continue to broadcast. That's why we have to continue to teach. And that is why you must continue to believe. And you must never be discouraged. Because every time you are discouraged, you, re- you, you reduce the mass. Every time you lose heart, you reduce the mass. You are getting my point. You can't, you must not let it happen. You must continue to win the battles. I said we should open somewhere, right? Have we read it? Second Kings chapter 13. I remember I, I, along the line I said, please, read, listen to the message. Aggressive prayer by the Red Prince. From verse 14. He said, when Elisha became sick with the illness of which he was to die, Joash, the king of Israel, came down to him and wept over him and said, My father, my father, the chariots of Israel and his horsemen. He was referring to Elisha. That you are the army of Israel. <laughs> Elisha said to him, take a bow and arrows. And he took a bow and arrows. Verse 16, then he said to the king of Israel, put your hand on the bow. And he put his hands on it. Then Elisha laid his hands on the king's hands. Then he said to him, in verse 17, open the window toward the east. And he opened it, and then Elisha said, shoot. And he shot, following it step by step. Then Elisha, then he said, the Lord's arrow of victory, even the arrow of victory over Aram, for you will defeat the Arameans at Aphek until you have destroyed them. Then he said, take the arrows, and he took them. And he said to the king of Israel, strike the ground. Now follow this. And he struck three times and stopped. Then the man of God was angry. The man of God was angry with him and said, You should have struck five or six times. Then you would have struck Aram until you would have destroyed it. But now you shall strike Aram only three times. Essentially, you will not destroy it because you will strike only three times. Then Elisha died, and then he was buried. Let's stop here. Because of time, let me just summarize what this man was saying here. Elisha was saying, in effect, he told Joash, battles will come to you. Shoot an arrow. That's an arrow of victory. Now you are going to strike your enemies. Now listen to this. The first time my wife and I analyzed this, all right, she asked me a simple question. How did the king... How was the king supposed to know how many times to strike? It was a prophetic operation. Remember, he placed his hands on the king's hands before these whole things began. It was a prophetic operation. Now, he told the man, strike the ground. The man struck the ground once, and tw- uh, three times, and stopped. And the man of God was angry that you should have struck five times or six times. If you did that, then there will have been five or six battles in which you will win against Aram. And if you win against Aram six times, by that time you will have totally destroyed them. But because you are going to fight now, you are going to win only three times, you will not totally destroy them. They will rise up again again against you, and I cannot guarantee victory 
the first time. Now, this was devastating. Now, my wife asked me that day, how was this king supposed to know? The prophet said nothing about strike six times. He just said strike the ground. Now, this is my interpretation. This is not supposed to be our main message, so let me just please say something about it and we'll go on. This is my interpretation. The prophet himself did not know, per se, that he was not allowed to tell him how many times to strike. That tells you, this was not exactly to predict about what the victory will be. It was to show the zeal of the king. I don't know whether I get my point. He was testing the zeal of the king. So he was saying to the king, you don't have enough zeal to win. I don't know whether you're getting my point. He didn't tell him anything. If you had told the man, strike seven times, that man would have struck. So he said nothing. He said, strike. Let me see how many times you strike. This was a, it was a spiritual operation in which the man was just diagnosing for him his problem. You don't have the zeal to win. Your zeal is not enough to kill this thing permanently. My message here, number one, is that look at it. Aram may rise again and again. It doesn't mean victory is not with you. I don't know whether you're getting my point. It's just for you to be determined and dedicated enough. You make up your mind you are going to win. So if you rise up again, you do it again. So my wife and I, that day were discussing, I said, there's a lesson in it. What is the lesson? Next time the prophet says strike, keep on striking until he says stop. I don't know whether you heard that. So if Elisha showed up to you now and said, King, um, okay, Mute, strike the ground. He said, oh God, I know the deal. <laughs> Just carry your, your cutlass and strike. 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 If the man doesn't say stop, you continue striking. Strike. If he's there talking, and your hand tied, change it to the other hand. So, so as you were saying, just continue striking. Listen, as a believer, no matter how many times, that's the point I'm making, the battle rises up, fight and win. If it comes back again, fight and win. If it comes back again, fight and win. If it comes back again, Fight and win. This you shall do all the days of your life. Don't care whether the battle is going to rise up again. That's what I'm talking about. Don't be discouraged. Men ought always to pray and not to faint. That's what the Lord Jesus said. And like I keep on saying, Jesus never com- God never commands about things that will have come to you naturally. If he says don't faint, it means fainting is natural. So when he said, don't faint, it means, listen, you will see reasons to faint. You will pray, hold hands. Thank God, Father, we want the victory. Next day, power will fail. Boom. And you'll be there for 24 hours waiting for the power to come back. And somebody says that after all the prayers, we have prayed. Listen, your prayers worked. What did I say? I didn't hear you well enough. Said the prayers worked. Just that you have to fight again. That's just the way it is. I hope you got my point. The problem, like I said here with Joash, that was my own interpretation. That the prophet just diagnosed for him, this man is not zealous enough. The zeal has not consumed him enough to be able to win permanently. If that zeal had consumed him, then he would have won at least five or six times. And like I said earlier, the more the number of times you win, the more the enemy is decimated. 
if you win enough number of times, which God alone can decide, it will happen that the enemy will not be able to rise up again. He will have been thoroughly consumed. But the problem is, Jesus said, will I find faith when I return? He looked at that um, to Jairus. He said, don't be afraid. Just do what? Keep on believing. I like the Amplified Bible there. He said, don't be afraid. Just keep on believing. That's my own personal watchword. That's the current thing that's moving my life. I will keep on believing. I will not let anybody discourage me. If I prophesy about something and believe God for something that doesn't show up, I will keep on believing. If my daughter lies critically sick at home, Jesus is on the way, my name is Jarius, and they are disturbing him on the way, he can't continue, and they are interrupting the journey, and somebody comes from home and says, don't worry, the master, this daughter has died, I will still keep on believing. No matter how much the situation seems to change for the, for the worse, all right, it doesn't matter. As long as you started believing, Jesus said, keep on believing. Do you get my point? Yes, sir. Keep on what? Believe. Please turn to your neighbor. Say, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Okay, turn to yourself and say, keep on believing. Keep on believing. Say, I will keep on believing. Okay, that's like I said, that's just an introduction just to remind us again that we, we are in a war, we have many battles, and we keep on winning our battles. Battles come against our finances, we will fight until we win. Yes, sir. <laughs> you know, so let me tell you the truth, it's normal. You would think after all this war that I've had, no trouble again. It's normal. Only for you to get home and trouble starts. I feel so strong about it. That is, that is a trick. What did I call it? What did I call it? It's a trick of the enemy. It's a trick. A lot of people lose at that point. I thought, I just thought there would be no trouble again. <laughs> In this world, you will have tribulations. Now let's re- remove the word tribulations. You know why I said you should remove the word tribulations? That's no longer English. Yeah, it's not our normal English. Have you ever come to work, uh, come to uh, come home from work, and your wife says, "How was work today?" Say, "Man, I had a lot of tribulations." <laughs> you don't say that. What do you say? Troubles. Man, there was wahala today at work. There was trouble. What happened? Then you start telling your husband, your wife, what happened. Then this happened. Then my boss said this, and they found out that the tanker jammed our gate and broke it. In this world, Jesus said, "You will have." Troubles. He said, but be of good. Be of what? Good cheer. Okay, again, that's not good English anymore. We only say cheers when we want to. Oh, birthday party. Uh-huh. Cheers, cheers. What do you say? Modern English. Give me a good one. No, nobody says be encouraged. That's, not, that's good, but it's not so good. Which one? I think be happy. Be happy is the best one. Yes. Be happy is the best one. He said, be happy. Don't let it trouble you. Is it worrying you? Don't worry about it. (laughs) That's how we talk. And that's what the Bible, that's actually what Jesus was saying. When he said, be of good cheer, he was saying, "Mm, don't worry about it. Laugh, Laugh about it. Don't let it disturb your mind. 
That's precisely what he was saying. You finish hearing a good word on supernatural supplies and abundance. You get to me, you are feeling so excited. Say, oh more, breakthrough has come. It's only time for supper. You check the fridge, nothing. Check kitchen, nothing. I say, in the name of Jesus. <laughs> nothing. You know what the Bible says at such times? What, is, what does the Bible say? Yeah. Thank you. I thought you said me be of good cheer. <laughs> Jesus said, be happy. Don't worry about it. What am I going to do? Eh? Sing. Sing yourself to sleep. Watch a film. <laughs> Look for a film where they were killing the devil. You understand my point? <laughs> According to Archbishop Vidalza, Archbishop Vidalza said one day, he stumbled on um, wrestling. No wrestling. <laughs> so he sat down and saw people wrestling. So he saw one man beat another one very well. He said, yee, this is good. This is how to beat the devil. So he told them in the house, you must never miss wrestling again. Once they are doing wrestling, she come and call him. <laughs> If the devil cannot take that joy away from you, then that victory is real. Yes. You get what I'm saying? Yes. Very important. Don't let him take it away from you. Because many times we just think, ah, once that prayer has been said, once I've believed that, I've declared it, everything will just flow. It should flow. I don't know why God does not always allow it to flow. But don't ever forget. It is that slowing down, that point of apparent hindrance where most people lose it. This thing is not working. Let me tell you about faith. Faith is something you have committed your life to. Do you understand my point? It's not, let's test it whether it gets results. I said this country, this our nation, maybe not my own assignment too. In fact, I am convinced it's my assignment. I told you before, before I came to Enugu, I'd only been to Enugu once in my life. Once in my life. Before I came to start, take it up, before I came to take up my appointment so that I would start residing here. And that was in year 2000. I've been here since that time to be 16 years in about, at September this year. Why did the Lord send me? I will tell you the reason. Because he wanted you and many people around to hear this word. And now I will sound pompous, but I will magnify my office. That's, that's my job. I won't lie to you. Because if I didn't come, many Christians here, their spiritual ignorance will have destroyed the region. I'm not kidding, no. If you like, see, this guy is very arrogant. It's my ministry. When Jesus came and said, I'm the light of the world, why did he say, why are you being arrogant? I cannot just be the candle. I'm not lying. I talk, I've talked to preachers. I told you two of the most divisive messages that ever came to my wife's phone was sent to her by a big minister in town here. Divisive. That's divide the country down the line. You know, followed the Niger, followed Benue, joined the Niger, split it, which you know will not work. Because once you cut into three, that's when inside each one, everybody say, eh, me and you together. We only look like we are the same now because we have a common enemy. <laughs> That's all. They will now go around the small, small rivers, Oji River. You understand my point? <laughs> we start using it. When we finish, ah, we sit down. 
That's how we know there's a stream passing from the transsequilu. But God said, look, Banky, I have a job for you. I didn't know that that time. He said, go down to Enugu. Just go there and be the voice of one crying in the wilderness. Say to my people, it shall be well with you. Say to them, the Lord is with you. Say to them, that goodness will come to you. Say, if they believe it, my goodness will flow in that land. That's a matter of fact. Sorry, I, I didn't know how to sound humble about that. But that is the truth. If anybody else is preaching it, let's join and shout it together louder. You don't have to come and prove that I'm not the only one. Just say, okay, I see. Let's talk. Let's do this thing better. And you no, know, God did it very well for me. It's his job. I mean, it's his assignment. That's what we're fulfilling. Say, Banky, go there. Get on radio. Write books. Hang it on the internet. Teach. The fact that we are physically present in this place is not a joke. There's a reason. So I want the whole region blessed. I'm not finding anybody to preach the kind of thing I once said. Now, you go there. Who shall we send? Who shall go? Who will go for us? I want somebody who doesn't care. I was brought up in the University of Benin by God. Taught me the word of faith. When I was on campus, my two best friends, one was from Benin, one from Imo State. Yes. If, you, if, if I offend my wife today, and he picks, she picks a phone to complain to somebody, it's to my friend Chuk Seke. He's from Etiti. That's how God did it. When I was getting married, who was my best man? His name is Obioma Igbokwe. You can't have a more Igbotic name than that. <laughs> how you want to do now? Come forward with your name. Let us discuss. No English one. And each one did not leave you in doubt. You know, you hear some name. You say, wait, where are you from? Are you from a boy or river state? You know, <laughs> cross river. You'll be asking. You say, no, no, no. You say, boy, okay, you're from a boy. Or you hear some from Musukaira. You're, you're doubting whether it's from Benue State, Kogi, or a uh-huh. No. This one took a nymph. He now put Igbo inside the Igbo Kwe. <laughs> that was the person who stood behind me when I was getting married. And I married a woman from Delta State. So nobody. God sent me to go and kill all these stupid ideas of tribalism. Listen. I, I, I even put a curse on it around me. I'm not allowed to think it. I even want those who want to try it with me. That God, I don't know you, but anybody who denies me anything because he wants to play the tribal card, he had just signed up for divine punishment. Not a joke. That is why I have not been able to accept it any time. That anything was denied me because of where I came from naturally. I'm a man from heaven. Heaven sent me here. I'm an ambassador of God. If you vex me, I report you to my country. You know what I'm talking about? Yes, <clears throat> Are you talking? Did you not say, kiss the son, lest he be angry? Or, and you perish out of the way. The Lord is good. Look, <laughs> the one Jesus, you know, you know what I like about Jesus Christ? Better catch him while he's smiling. Catch him while he's smiling. 
catch him while he's smiling. If his anger burns against you, go and read the book of Revelations. The devil didn't have a job to do in Revelations. He too was under judgment. Can you be tempting somebody when they are killing you? <laughs> he wasn't the one destroying anything. A sword. Perhaps a sword was going forth from his mouth. His eyes. When John saw Jesus in Revelation, he didn't know him. The same Jesus that used to put his head near his bosom. Put your head near this one. <laughs> now smoke goes. <laughs> the Lord is good though. What am I going to explain? Listen, no. We have to win. Amen? Amen? We win with the word of God. No matter what rises up, we will speak against the thing. When I came to any good day, all the noise, they say, I'm robbers, yeah, I'm robbers. I live in Transekulu where they used to read and all of that. I said, well, God sent me here. I'm robbers, you have to move out of here. I was driving a vehicle that time. They said, I'm robbers, like it. I said, I like it too. Since I am of God and you are of the devil, and greater is he that is in me than he that is in you, then you have to go. I will stay. I'm not kidding. We keep declaring the word. One day I met a policeman, they say, the DPO near my office. He said that, ah, they just declared that Inugu is the safest country in Nigeria, that the, the, the IG was around. I said, that's the word working. It's the word working. We'll continue to declare the word. We'll continue to declare it. When we wake up, when I hear too many stories of kidnapping, we'll start, we, oh God, if you're a kidnapper, don't come near. Because we'll pray until your den will, will burn by itself. Just be sitting there, just see smoke. Yes, that's the job of a believer. We pray until you will run away. Instead of Christians gathering and becoming, no, complaining, 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 realize that it is war. It is war. It's fight. And if the devil can't win with us, look at this tribalism thing we are talking about. If we wipe it out of the church, it's dead. If we can wipe it out of the church, it is dead. Pastors are the ones forwarding divisive messages. When they are the ones that are supposed to be condemning anything from their pulpits. A man went to a church being built. I won't mention his name. Call of him, we know him. He said, why are you spending this amount of money in this town on a denomination that's not, that does not belong to our brother? And he ha- if you hear his titles, you will tremble. The person told him, but sir, it's the work of God. He said, oh, our brothers are also doing the work. Who's our brother? They came to Jesus. His literal mother. They, they said, your mother is outside. He said, who is my mother? That was his question. He said, your brothers. He said, who are my brothers? Is there anyone who does, who hears the word of God and does it? The same is my mother. The same is my brother. The same is my sister. You hear Christians want to marry. They see talk some kind of nonsense that you just be thanking God that God, why didn't you give me small ability to punish your children for you? <laughs> because if he did, ha. Huh? Some of them, are, they, they won't say it outside. But inside, you, you see a woman, you like, ah, very happy. You, you pray. You think God is speaking to you until you hear that she's from Kogi State. And you, you are from Anambra or something. Suddenly your spirit falls. Let me tell you, that spirit won't rise again if you don't rise up by force. If you will not be able to succeed in business, I hope you are getting my point. That is where faith dies. 
That's where faith dies. You think it's just ordinary marriage choice you are making. You've not made a marriage choice. You've made a faith choice. You have chosen unbelief. You have said, I will not believe. People think that it's a joke. <laughs> One of the things that God hates, the Bible says, is anybody who separates brethren. Yeah, the Bible says the God hates them. He hates them. It's hatred. Hate. If you now see brethren that God in Christ join together, somebody will now sit down and say, this one is from Enugu. That one is from Anambra. This one is from Kogi. And they now start dividing. Dividing. Now open your... That's why you, you will find good wife in Osi. Where will you find it? It's not because they are not there, but God says, I have blinded you. Why? You chose unbelief. You chose unbelief. I said, these decisions we make in life, they are decisions of faith. It's not about, uh, I didn't like this person. It's, you must walk by faith. You can't marry everybody. Can you marry everybody? But that one you are choosing, God is watching. Why? You know, it's from my place. Ah. That's unbelief. And that takes you away from your part in the book. What am I saying? Listen, life na fight. What did I say? Life na waiting. That is, you fight for everything. War. Things won't just fall down easy. You hear the word of God that says, if you are old, you'll still be full of sap. I keep on preaching, age is not a disease. It doesn't mean that you won't wake up one day and realize that age wants to catch up on you. It might happen. They will not tell the age, say, oh boy, <laughs> let's get it clear. I will not accept. Say, ah, please, now, just small weak eyes I want to give you. I don't want. 